Thanks for joining us for part four of the Little John interview. The, uh, when you opened your practice, did you, uh, how did you go about generating a clientele? You well, couldn't advertise. You prayed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, relied on family among and other friends. things, you'd get acquainted with people on the campaign. Get acquainted right. with them. They, they'd bring you a, a case along. Then uh, we did a good bit of, Dunbar and I both did a good bit of real estate uh, practice. We prepared deeds and arranged mortgages for the, uh, some of the lending institutions there. First case I ever tried, I got a $5 fee and went for a magistrate. Back then there was no uh, mandatory insurance on automobiles. And so you would enforce your rights by attaching the vehicle of the offending driver. And so they had this wreck and an old Whippet automobile. Whippet, you never heard of a Whippet, have you? I, I have heard of a Whippet. I don't know uh, what one looks like. All right, it was a, a Whippet automobile. It had been in a wreck. I tried it for a magistrate and got a, got a verdict. Then you would advertise the vehicle for sale in its wrecked condition and uh, get as much as you could for it to satisfy your verdict lien. Uh, that, that case, the old wore out whippet sold for $25, and I got a $5 fee. That's the first fee I ever made, 1936. Well, let me ask this. Was that considered a pretty good fee? <laughs> well, it, Under was, the it was much better than none. <laughs> now, $5 would buy you almost two pair of those Tom McCann shoes, yeah. see? Yeah. Uh, would buy you two nice white Ara Sunday shirts. So uh, things were sort of relative, you might say, back then. Or uh, $5 would pay two weeks' rent, three weeks' rent. How often would they hold a civil court in Spartanburg County when you came to the bar? I would say as best I can remember, maybe eight weeks in the year, maybe 10, um, our circuit was Spottenburg County, Cherokee County, which is Gaffney, and Union County. Uh, one circuit court judge served the, the whole circuit. But it had a rotating system then. The circuit judges rotated automatically. I could tell you as a circuit judge where I would be six years hence on any given Monday because the legislature set up the... Uh, the terms of court. But it wouldn't have any court of consequence in the summer. A lot of farming are going on and people didn't want to come serve on the jury. But worse still, there was no air conditioning. And um, the courthouse was always hot. You had some oscillating fans on the wall of the courthouse and the railroad was pretty close by. The whistle would blow and disturb it. And so in the summertime, about all we did in circuit court was clear the jail of prisoners who wanted to plead guilty or maybe stand a, a few trials. But we would have in, in the home circuit, our own circuit court judge during May, June, July, and August. And then our judge would rotate out for eight months into two additional circuits. And the legislature had set it up and so you, you went where the legislature told you to. It's a stupid kind of way to handle it, 
because no consideration was given to where the judge power was needed. I'd be assigned, for example, sometime to uh, salute it, spend a half a day over there and go back home, just no business. In the meantime, they were suffering in uh, uh, Columbia and Charleston, Spartanburg and Greenville for additional uh, judge power. It brought into being the county courts. I believe there were two here in, in uh, Columbia, two county courts. There were. And there was one in Spartanburg, one in Greenville, maybe one or two in Charleston. Eventually, they ended up 32 courts, which had less jurisdiction than the Court of Common Pleas, but more jurisdiction than the magistrate. They were all abolished in the Reform Act of 1973 when they abolished them all and started adding on circuit judges. But when I became circuit court judge, there were only 14 of us in the state, and we were about half employed. I always admitted as a circuit judge, I was about half employed because there was nobody assigned the duty of finding a place where I was needed. And I, down in the PD, the lawyers control the docket. They called me five Fridays in a row to tell me, said, we have met, either settled or agreed to continue all the cases. It won't be necessary for you to come next week. <laughs> Did that five Fridays in a row. And so I always admitted I was about half employed. But it's a new day. No, there are no circuit judges half employed now. A lot of circuit judges burdened. That's true. The... Uh when you started practicing, was the courthouse open on Saturday, and did y'all, uh, did the judge, uh, if you had court and he was needed? Uh... It was open on Saturday until noon. The resident judge would usually go to the courthouse on Saturday morning to hear motions if there were any. But back in the 30s and 40s and even in the, in the 50s, maybe two or three motions on Saturday morning. Oh, incidentally, we handled divorce cases back then, so I tell these family court judges that uh, I used to be a family court judge I said, I, because I tended, as a circuit judge, we handled adoptions and child custody and alimony and all of those things that now go to family court. Now, when I was, I grew up in a small town of Newberry, and on the, the work week there for the city, or the retail in the city, was that they would shut down Wednesday afternoon, and then they would be open on Saturdays, and there were law firms that did the, did the same thing. Did, was that a pattern when you were practicing? There were a few lawyers, when I first came to the bar, who came to the office on Saturday afternoon. I don't know whether they came expecting to get a client or wanting to get away from their wife, <laughs> but there were a few who would come on Saturday afternoon, not many. And then the time came when uh, lawyers wouldn't come on Saturday. Uh, then the time came when courthouses was closed all day Saturday, and so when courthouses closed while well, lawyers normally wouldn't come down. But there are a few lawyers still who come down on Saturday morning and catch up with their reading. Uh, the secretaries aren't there and they lock the door and they get back there and do research and prepare briefs and do things that they can't very well do when the hubbub of the office is going on Tuesday morning and Thursday afternoon. 
When you came to the bar in Spartanburg, who were the uh, powers in that area? Where, uh, you mentioned uh, uh, Judge Russell and uh, Jimmy Burns. Were they actively involved in the practice of law in Spartanburg? Oh, they, they were. They were. They were the leading firm. They made more money and represented more people than anybody. Um, they were Nichols, Whites, Burns, and Russell. Uh, Nichols died in 36. Burns uh, went to the Supreme Court in 30. Whites got to be a federal court judge. And so Donald Russell ran the business until the war came along. When the war came along, Jim Burns had been given an important assignment in the war effort in Washington and he sent for Russell to come join him. So Russell went to Washington and stayed throughout the war as an assistant to Jim Burns, who was at one time the war mobilizer and later on the war stabilizer and later on Secretary of State, you know. He served Secretary of State. And I gather you knew him from... Burns? Yes. Yes, but not, not well because... Uh, he wasn't in Spartanburg much. See, he was in the Senate, and then he went on the Supreme Court and served a year or two, and then he took these important assignments. But I knew him best when he came back to Spartanburg about 1948 for a couple of years prior to running for governor. He lived there in Spartanburg, not far from my home. But in 1950, he came to be governor for four years and never moved back to Spartanburg. He had a home out here in Shandon, about Heathwood, I believe they call it, somewhere out there. Now, Spartanburg, when you moved back to open your practice, you said was about a third textile, about a third farming, and about a third city? Right. And uh, uh, was it considerably larger than, say, Union or Gaffney at that time, or has it has the size difference changed oh, yes. over well, the years? To give you an idea, we always had eight members of the legislature based on population. We always had eight. Gaffney never had over two. Union never had over two. So uh, that give you yeah. our population is about four times as big as Gaffney and four times as big as Union. Well, tell me, how did you balance practicing law and, and being in the legislature? How much time would you have to spend in Columbia versus uh, Spartanburg? Well, it, it wasn't easy. Uh, legislature always met at noon on Tuesday and adjourned Thursday afternoon. So, On next week's episode, you'll hear about Little John's involvement in the General Assembly.